Hey guys, this is part two of a two-part podcast series. Part one came out last week. So if you haven't listened to that one, I suggest you do listen to it. But regardless of whether you've listened to it or not, I hope you enjoy this one. The phrase civil war is getting used more and more. I bet even if you looked on Google Trends, it'd be higher. Yeah, so they're priming people for it. The, and what happens, though, is every uh, uh, singular escalating act of violence is just going to play into the other side's narrative. So every yeah. time a Trump supporter goes and kills someone from Black Lives Matter, mm. then that plays right into the narrative like these people are just irredeemably hor- hor- horrifically racist and they need to be exterminated that you can't debate with them or you can't convince them and 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 likewise every time uh <clears throat> someone who's on the woke left or someone part of antifa or a, a black a rogue black lives matter protester kills someone who's just trying to protect a small business which did happen then that just plays right into the hands of the uh the right which think these people are trying to destroy innocent people's businesses. They're trying to take away what makes America great, trying to take away people's freedoms. You know, so, you know what it reminds me of? Sorry, I just, I just recently reread 1984, but it was, mm. there was a point that I missed when I read it in fucking year eight or whatever as part of school. But, like, there was a point where they were explaining, because the whole world is in this permanent war. And there's three super nations yeah, that are constantly warring. East Asia and... Yeah, Eurasia. Yeah, Eurasia, East Asia. Uh, and Oceania. Yeah. But what I missed was that actually the war doesn't really exist. It's sort of just fought between a bunch of professional soldier units... They just have these kind of like small skirmishes off somewhere distant or whatever, and they film that, and then they send that back as propaganda to be used to fuel this constant fear that there is going to be an attack, right? And so if you think about it- Keep people hating each other. Keep people hating each other. But if you think about it, all of these skirmishes that are happening now- well, it's the same thing as it's always the same thing, right? Like if there's just no attention that is paid to it, these things kind of just dissipate anyway. But it just like dominates the news cycle. It is used as a form of propaganda, isn't it? You just keep stoking yeah. it into the other side that like these people are really dangerous, you know? But if you actually look at what was happening at Capitol Hill, I swear to God, I really didn't see that much that was unbelievably violent five people died but weren't the vast majority oh, of they? those just yeah i think they were just shot by one person died i think it was five okay. it could be like, i, didn't know I think it was i think it was cops that died i think it was cops that started shooting yeah civilians well, right so it was a, it's not like this crowd they should have. was they were uncontrollable and stuff like that and but like if you see the footage of them just like uh interacting with police officers and stuff they're not like violent beyond reproach. The vast majority of the people that were entering Capitol Hill, they were smashing windows and they were taking shit and stuff. But it wasn't this level of, uh, you know, uncontrollable outrage violence that seems to be reported in the press, right? So they seem to be exact. It was obviously there's violence involved with breaking windows and things, but they seem to be yeah. exacerbating how, uh, you know, 
violent this crowd is. Yeah. So, so it's the same thing that's okay. happening. So the elites are concocting, the elites of the fragmented elites are both concocting various uh, narratives to uh, force the populace into this kind of guerrilla civil war. I it's cultural civil war because it's not even okay these states against these states it's just culture you MAGA right. versus blm well, uh, probably not even those the right versus left whatever you want to call it yeah they both actually hate the elites yeah. it's ironic yeah uh so maybe then do you think the elites sort of realize okay they can they're getting to us put them against each other no it's not a they're getting to us it's a thing of like i want they have competing visions for America's future. And I think it is just coming down to climate change. I think that that's the Vietnam War that is happening now. So there is obviously big tech, banks would probably be pro doing something about climate change, uh, but also pretty fucking indifferent as well because they also just profit off of fossil fuels as well. Anyway. So it's Coke, the Koch brothers conglomerate because they... Uh get a lot of revenue from oil yeah and energy and in general like yeah, yeah okay. the Koch brothers are the ones that have really why masterminded the infrastructure of the republican party as what, it exists today why don't they just start investing in because they probably have the capital to start investing in and in getting pay, patents on all the green energy technology right or it's is it too just late? not as profitable oh okay right because the thing is if you have control of a supply chain. Yeah. You own the oil field. You own the distribution to the power plant. You own the power plants. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, when it comes to renewables, Everything. you put that on a house, that's yours. You become a distributor of energy. Mm. But when it comes to nuclear power or it comes to gas or it comes to oil or coal, you have to be a billionaire to be in that game mm. to begin with, to just have the capital to put it in there in the first place. And then you're controlling an entire nation's energy. Mm. So it's not the same. Um, okay. So yeah, there's. I think that that's the the civil war that is getting played out now, and I don't think that they're thinking it's going to turn into a civil war. But it is these competing business interests that yeah. are occurring now. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be a properly organized civil war, but it'll just be be like the Crips and the Bloods, just various skirmishes now and again, various protests that will turn violent and. Uh, most people will just ignore it, and some will unfortunately uh, be uh, caught in the crossfire. Yeah, that seems like it would be the case. I think that probably the military would. It'd probably be a very quick. If it ever eventuated, it'd probably be extremely quick. Uh, I highly doubt that there would know, just be could... these kind of state-organized armies competing against each other. Yeah, no, it's not that. It's these sort of. Uh, loosely affiliated militias that are going to join and when there's a riot from the opposing side, if someone is an agitator, then someone will start shooting and there'll be, mm. it'll be like gang warfare almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be kind of just like internal domesticated terrorism. That's probably yeah, what it happens like with, with an army kind of acting as almost a peacekeeping force. It'll be weird to see what... But dude, don't, don't you think that um, Joe Biden is the ultimate compromise candidate? Yeah, for sure. That's 
That's really like the last ditch attempt to keep the peace. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone after him is going to be that run-of-the-mill, fence-sitting, centrist type. It's not going to be that way anymore. Yeah. Those days are dying. Like, he's a real remnant of the Clinton era. That that kind of president is... It can't exist in this kind of environment anymore. There will be more and more Trumps. Yeah. Taking advantage of this kind of, like, stoked culture. Yeah. Ooh. Time to get the popcorn out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As long as it doesn't come here. It will come here. Empire is declining. Yeah, I know. It's totally in total decline. It is, isn't it? Like, it's so obvious decline. You've got to teach your kids Mandarin. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. Because you see the difference. China's really got its shit together. And you know what else you get as well, apparently? I've been talking to um, a, a couple of uh, people I know that are kind of like experts on the matter. And, mm. and they're like boomers that go there and, and they like have businesses there and things like that. And they were saying for the first time, this only started happening a couple of years ago because it was during the trade wars with Trump. How he was just saying that like, this is a terrible deal. We're doing a trade war with China. And pretty much America just said, right, here's all of our demands coming in all imperious. And then China was just saying, nah, we're not doing any of that. And then the Americans just said, okay, and caved to every one of China's demands. Except one, China gave them, we'll buy more agricultural goods off you or something like that. But China wanted that anyway. And ever since then, they've been saying that like, there's this quiet confidence in China that like the world is going their way. And they've never sensed that before. These are people that have been traveling to China for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. All of a sudden, they're just like, yeah, China understands that the world order has shifted. And like, I mean, look at that fucking shit show, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's true, yeah. Wow. So it's Um, a very interesting moment in history that we're living through. That is true. And uh, it's funny how I was like, I wonder how this is going to affect comedy. (laughs) And you were like... (laughs) the machinations for the elite and how this is going to affect the world order and i'm like yeah but what about jokes man what are they gonna say (laughs) and i want to wrap up on that i honestly think these kind of these comedians these rich uh talk show hosts and the netflix comedians that are all in bed with the what you could call corporate democrats now that trump is gone and biden is in and they run the senate and the house they're going to start making fun of the what they call the the far left, like the woke left, the people I've always made fun of, and not realize that for so long they were actually a part of that. Because I think Is they that already prediction? don't like it. Yeah, because I think they already kind of don't like it. Because when you're successful, you, there's always people on Twitter being like, oh, you're only there because you're white, or you're only there yeah. because you had privilege. So eventually, and, and, and people are probably, you know, people call out any comedian now for being offensive, right? They'll say people like Amy Schumer and Sarah Silver, Silverman have pro- problematic jokes or whatever. So they're going to start making content, uh, calling out the people who call them out for being problematic. And it's going to be ironic because six years ago, if anyone did that, they would have been like, oh, you're evil. I really think they're going to start doing that already. Already, people, you know, I've seen ABC sketches that are calling out, 
you know, cancel culture and things. Yeah, but how fucking fucking abstract is it, though? Yeah, I know. It's very abstract, but it's like you contributed to this so much. I know. It was entirely your fault. In Australia, ABC and SBS are ground zero for that. In fact, they're the only ones that did it. I think Austra- that's what's sick about Australia and, again, shows you that there's nowhere near as much tension in this country as there is in the US because Australia's overall attitude to that yes, is like, fuck off. But because we consume so much American media now and because social media just uh, uh, goes beyond borders. national borders, I think people are starting to live in those realities. Mm. I don't think... You know, in the 90s were, were people... Like, I make all these Trump videos. It's like, was, in the 90s, were Australian comedians making Clinton videos? Probably not. Mm. Yeah, true. So, it's already uh, infiltrated our culture scape massively. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I know mm. more about American politics than Australian politics. And, and I think mm, yeah. most people do now. Exactly. Because it's just so dramatic. The theatre of it is really enthralling. Because I'm very interested in the psychology of it more than... Uh, I'm, I'm, I should be more interested in the actual policies. But uh, there's just no better show. Yeah, there's no better Netflix drama than the reality of American politics. Mm. You can't watch House of Cards anymore because the real life is more entertaining. It's true. Well, for another two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's going to get pretty boring. <laughs> It'll probably be pretty boring after that. Yeah, wow. See, that's what, yeah, I, I really wonder how but, see, people are going to cope because their their entire personality has been, I'm resisting the hatred of Trump and the right. And then it's like, well, what are you going to do now? Yeah. You whole per- There's just going to be people that are going to have existential crises. But as I was saying, I predict, I think that he's going to continue on that's as true. some sort of spiritual leader now. If he just yeah. shut up for two years, there'd be so many people that would have personality crises because they're... In- They've they've built a personality on you know being the fighting against hatred, whatever that means, and they're just gonna have nothing to say or do. I don't know what the fuck. Like, what else have they got? You know what else I was thinking? Like that is along these lines. Hmm. I am so sad that Jordan Peterson is not in the zeitgeist anymore. He's come. He's slowly coming back. He's slowly. He's, he's not. Slowly he's nobody. Come back. Man. Remember a couple of years ago? Yeah, it was yeah, just kind of like just... him and like Oprah sitting there, being like, "So, do, do you hate women or not?" And he's like, "No, I'm misquoting." Me. Was he on Oprah? No, but you know what I mean, yeah. right? Like it was not on Oprah, but yeah, just yeah. up there with like Bono and shit. No, I, I remember. Yeah, do, but he still do, do you has remember that. This? He he still is very revered, especially with men our age. Men our age, but this is the difference. Everyone knows him. This is the difference. What you were saying before, when you were saying that I think Zoomers are more cucked than millennials, and I was always saying, no, I think they're the other way around. Yeah, yeah, I did say that. Yeah, Yeah, I was saying I think that they're, uh, you know, more even keeled than millennials are. You know what I realized was a big tempering. Last week. Huh? Didn't you say Zoomers are, are weaker now? And I think it's because Jordan Peterson's not there anymore. He was kind of a meme to them, but they respected him. I think it's just because there are no trials and tribulations in people's lives as we... Huh? Weren't we saying that two weeks ago when we were talking, you know, you were saying all those things about, I mean, those were very specific things about getting beaten up or whatever, but 
when you need to go through character building uh, trials and tribulations to become tough, to become resilient. That's true. And if you've lived this very coddled life where the worst thing that's happened to you is someone said mean things to you on the internet, you're going to be very fragile. Yeah, but in lieu of that, in lieu of not going through any tribulations in life, it's very good having someone with a very weathered voice sitting there going, life is hard, it's brutal, there's very bad things happening. Like, it's it's mm. at least good that there's someone reminding you of that shit. Yeah. And, and, and able he's, to maintain your intention longer than a tweet. That's true. So you can make bigger points. There hasn't been a big... You know how every year there was kind of that new... Intellectual. What you call right-wing uh, rock star almost. It was Milo for a while. Then Shapiro sort of came up. And they all were a bit different. Yeah, Milo was very different to, to Shapiro. And then Jordan was the biggest. But then that, since 2019, hasn't really... I mean, look, Trump was in power and, and it wasn't as though uh, all that SJW stuff had really calmed down. But it's now it's just going to be back bigger than ever. So the, the, the conditions are really ripe for another... Rockstar. For either Jordan Peterson to make a comeback or for uh, someone else to come and, and, and really come out of the woodwork and... See, Make a name for themselves. That's why I like Jordan Peterson, and that's why I am perfectly happy to cop so much shit online for supporting him. Because, uh, dude, I swear to God, Same. Jordan Peterson is the Joe Biden of the culture war. He's the compromise candidate. You see this all the time. When he's in Britain or whatever, you'll see, you'll see people and they'll say, uh, who did you vote for in the last election? And there'll be all these British people being like, Jeremy Corbyn, yeah? And they're like, why are you at a Jordan Peterson rally? And then they just kind of shake their heads of just being like, dude, you just don't get it, you know? There's, there's this thing that the media doesn't understand about Jordan Peterson, which I suppose actually... I don't know, a lot be- of people really hate him. Yeah, exactly. But, but Biden is a very milk toast. No one really hates him, you know, everyone's I know, like- people, people hate him. And... Who are the same people that hate him? Mm. It's the same fucking people. You reckon? So it's cunts on Reddit and cunts on Twitter. They're just that, those people that just aren't happy with anyone ever. Oh, okay. The yeah, same people that you know they, they have they issues with Bernie him? Sanders. Yeah, yeah. There are certain people that are just Puritans that you never make them happy. I mean, they've probably they're probably projecting their traumas onto the world. And that was exactly what's happening. <laughs> but um, I definitely th- think uh, well, Biden sort of represents. An ideology that people really hate, or they think, you know, he's too in bed with the socialist left, and he's not strong enough to stand up to that. But even then, I don't think. But the- yeah, Bernie Sanders supporters see him as just being like, he's just a milk juice Republican. Yeah, you know, yeah, everyone's yeah, I know, yeah. equally dissatisfied with Joe Biden, which makes him the. But the thing is, his job is politics. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson's job is culture. Yeah, yeah, they're kind I mean, of they're, interlinked, they're, okay. but not. You know? There's some parallels, but I don't know if he's the compromise. Well, who is? Well, no, Sam I, Harris? I, I, He could be. I'd say he's more compromised than Jordan Peterson. He's definitely more compromised, that's true. But is he as big, I suppose? No, because he doesn't appeal to... What I've realized is Jordan, because he speaks so emotively, uh, emotionally and passionately, and the fact he cries so much actually is half his appeal because he's appealing to men who are really broken and are are striving for meaning, whereas Sam is so rational and almost comes across as robotic. I remember when I 
first started listening to Sam two or three years ago, I couldn't take it because it just felt judgmental. It felt, well, like I just said, robotic and almost not human. Whereas Jordan really appealed to the the soul almost because he was speaking so passionately and with such zeal about living through trials and tribulations, whereas Sam would have a much more rational approach to them thinking, well, the reason this is happening is it's all in your mind. That doesn't appeal to people. Mm. Whereas Jordan will say, well, like, yeah, you are suffering, but it's it's important that you do. Whereas Sam would say, well, you can uh, uh, let the suffering pass. That's, come on, yeah, that's you can really, let the suffering pass. Yeah, it doesn't pass. appeal in the same way. It doesn't. It doesn't. I love uh, right now. I if there's anyone I really admire and, and want to hear their thoughts on on the world and and culture and even economics now, it, it's Sam Harris. I really like him, but I will say he's never sort of brought about the same passion within me as Jordan Peterson has. No. When I listen no. to Sam, I just think, okay, that's very uh, calculated mm. and and mm. understandable. Mm. And logical. Whereas when I listen to Jordan, especially a few years ago, I thought I'd get emotional because it just wow, someone is articulating exactly how I feel, and in such an intelligent way, and no one had ever done that before. Really? And not that I'd really seen. So is he your gateway into self help? No, I'd say I was sort of already halfway there. I like Jordan Moore because of his uh, his criticisms of the woke or whatever. Because previously it was always just, well, your milk toast Republicans or older conservatives that would be uh, sort of unintelligibly traducing people on the left. And then the constant retort to that was, oh, you're just a dinosaur, you're uneducated. Whereas Jordan is a man is very nuanced and well-thought-out opinions with so much historical knowledge and context, and he was able to articulate some of those criticisms in a way no one had ever done before, and it was, it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> mm. It was really mm. interesting, mm. And, 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 and then I've since... And that's the other thing that you can get with him as well. This is something yeah. that Ali was always saying, that he was... That, that, that side of politics just has a dearth of intellectuals in it. There's very few professors that will make their argument. And it's and not it's like Jordan Peterson ne- doesn't necessarily do that, but he's getting closer to it. When you say exactly that. Uh, closer to what? He's getting closer to being... He's not, and like his voting pattern shows it. But he's getting closer to being a Republican intellectual, and yes, I'd say he's getting closer. But uh, he's, he's not still, there. He's not yeah, there, and he still is has very. From what I've heard him talk about, when he does talk about politics, and he he definitely has a much more nuanced view than just your classic. Or just let the market do everything. He does say, you know, that you need you need that you know you need the left and the right to, uh, you know, battle, mm. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. you come out with a semblance of normality yeah. at the yeah, end. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and he's right. You need 
you need respectful discourse between two sides of uh, you know two sides of integrity because that's how you get to a much more refined ideal point. Mm. But that doesn't seem to happen. Yeah, but He's, he is kind of. He's slowly coming back. He's I slowly think, coming back. But what I'm saying is, it's important for that man to be in the zeitgeist. And I'm sick of the snarkiness around him that exists purely because there kind of became an industry of so taking of him down. And the the criticism's always crap. It's just like he doesn't believe in climate change or something. But it's just like, dude, that that is not that man's function. And he he's doesn't. talked about it and like once. Yeah, and there's that video where he says. He, it's not that he doesn't believe in it. From what I heard, he said that the models get more and more unpredictable the longer you go into the future. But he didn't say it's not real. Right, right. Which See, is true. this is the other thing. Yeah, like, or if you just get further like, into you know, the future. Yes, the model. He the, the, hates the, the, homosexuals and shit. It's convert. just such crap points. And, like, it's always the same thing. And, look, the, the, the one criticism that I will say is genuine about Jordan Peterson is he's. And this is the thing that really pisses off intellectuals like Chomsky. And it actually gives Milo Yiannopoulos the shits as well. <laughs> you can kind of interpret everything he says in two ways. Like, mm. you know, he'll just be saying something like the weak men point, for instance. You can interpret what he's saying is, oh, what? So you're saying it's okay for men to beat women. And then he has to be like, that's not what I said. What I said was that they have to get the feeling that they could be beaten or something like that there's like obviously he hasn't said exactly that but i'm just giving you like an example of yeah, it right yeah and it so can be it, vague it, what he's saying is vague yeah so it's easier to for so you can kind of like put your own interpretation onto what he is saying yeah which i think is the thing that people don't get about what he's doing when he's constantly talking about legends and myths and things like that yeah that's the point of those things is to try and get you to put your own interpretation onto it to make sense of your world surrounding you so he's kind of he's coming from everything that he's saying from a very different perspective yeah than the average uh, intellectual who's constantly using precise terms and things like that. He's coming sure. from a ground of psychology. Yes. And he's coming from a ground of psychology and like Jungian and Freudian tradition, which yeah. is kind of like getting you to interpret the world for yourself. It's that the, the Jungian, I don't know a lot about Jung, but the, this idea of the collective consciousness and there are certain uh, commonalities between uh, culture and, and, and morals across humanity and that comes about through our stories and our myths and our legends. And there are certain archetypes that pop up in cultures all over the world. So that's saying something about a in, intrinsic value that we all all hold. And you know, there's the the wise old man or whatever. Or the you know the yeah, like the magician, hero, the, jester. Uh, these things exist yeah. constantly. There's there's always some kind of the young naive girl or whatever it is. But the, in in many Stories he, uh, yeah, he, he talks about that. The thing he said about women, which I'm pretty sure was on that podcast with Camille Parlier, was he said, when two men talk to each other, and, and you know what, who's also said this, both Chris Rock and Bill Burr have a very similar joke about this. It's so, I, I really think those two guys are geniuses. Uh they say when two men are talking to each other, there's this underlying tension where one man knows, okay, this man is a lot physically stronger than I am. Therefore, the power dynamic is always there. Even if you're 
teaching him something, even if you're uh, lecturing him, firing him, whatever it may be, at the end of the day, when it comes down to pure caveman instinct, this man could beat the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that probably still exists with uh, women when they're talking to men, assuming the man's physically stronger and physically bigger. But his point, if I could sort of steal man what he was saying as best as I could, is when you talk to that particular man that's bigger and physically stronger than you, you know that there's a line you don't cross. You know not to say to just insult him or if he has a weak point to go there because you're going to get hurt. Mm. Now, I don't think he's he's not at all saying let's claw back all these laws of violence against women or anything like that. He's saying that because these laws exist, that one unintended consequence is that now women know that they can just keep pushing someone and if he does lash out well the first of all the law is completely on their side as it should be this is where i could get clipped out of context but how does that then change the dynamic of what a man can say and how a man can react and and, and does he just have to take everything that is being said to him which yeah he does but how does that then just change the dynamic when men and women are conversing as opposed to two men conversing because it's still a crime if a man punches another man, but we sort of... Doesn't have the same yeah, weight. Morally, we look at it differently. We, we do ask questions like, well, what did he say? Why did he get punched? Whereas we, we're, we're supposed to not ask that, no matter what. We're supposed to never ask that if a man punches a woman. Which, again, you know, I can see why that exists. Uh, and, and, yeah, Bill Burr's point, which is one of his most famous jokes, if not his most famous... Uh, which, yeah, when you first hear it as a 19, 20-year-old, you're like, oh, this guy's a sexist. I hate it. But he's saying he's listening to this talk show and these uh, it was like one of these view-type talk shows and they were saying there's never a reason to hit a woman. And he's saying, oh, come on, there's plenty of reasons. You just don't do it. Hmm. So what he's doing is he's breaking down that uh, reasoning, which is no matter what, you never hit a woman but you do have to inquire into that and say, well, there probably would, there could be reasons, but we've decided as a society the moral posture is to not do it. Hmm. And the way he justifies that through comedy is is very clever and, and funny. And a well, lot of people a will hear that. that's that the reason think, that he became like a global phenomenon. That's shocking that people would think that, but that is perfect stand-up comedy. It's when you take something that is a well it's orthodoxy and not only you're not just a dissident you don't just necessarily disagree with it but you 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 come at it from a different perspective and you make people think different if, if people can have a reaction of that was funny but also i never thought of it that way that's the perfect reaction for stand-up now, Chris- and also, you can't disagree with him either. I think that's what was happening with the audience because if you could disagree with him mm. in it, the audience would have booed him. And, they, and if they agree with him, they would have laughed. Yeah. But, dude, the vast majority of the audience was silent. Yes. Because they were trying to think of, like, holes to puncture it with and then they just yeah. thought, no, he's now, right. The, look, the logic of it was, was sublime, really. Look up that joke. It's great. Um, well, yeah, yeah. He, he before became he- a international phenomenon based off that one joke didn't he i think he was well known before that because well, i'm just judging from the size of his audience there was quite 
Like, but I'd never fucking heard of him until no, that I, joke. I hadn't heard of him. I heard him around the comedy scene. People were like, "Oh, Bill Burr, got to watch Bill Burr." And then I and then I started watching him. Chris Rock has a very similar joke though from the nineties. That I shake the shit out of. <laughs> yeah, that, that one. Yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never hit a woman. I shake the shit out of. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Damn, see, that's the whole. Th- it's dude. It's it's like it's funny when he says it. Yeah, no, well, like, that was his peak, wasn't it? And, and well, actually, no, I still like uh, Chris Rock now. I still, I'll pay him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Chris Rock, dude, late 90s, up to up to t- even 2008. Yeah, when he was talking it, about Michael Jackson dude, during the trials, he was on fire. The guy's a genius. Seeing his new special, it's like, oh, man, what have you... Be- I mean, there's still some No, gems. it's not Seinfeld level. There's some gems. Yeah, exactly. But That's the thing. it's... Uh, he's really... And it's still enjoyable to watch. It is. It is, yeah, but he just seems like such a beaten down man. He's gone through a really messy divorce and a lot of his content is about that and he just doesn't have the exuberance and the energy nah. that he did. And he's getting older. He's nearly 60. Is uh, he? Yeah, yeah. He was, even in his prime, he was like mid-late 30s. Mm, he's, okay. he's a late bloomer. Although mm. with comedians, a lot of them do uh, reach their peak at that age. Uh, but... The thing with Chris Rock is people often glossed past him just because he was so well I, there's no other he was just so black in the way he delivered everything and his vernacular and people just sort of almost say oh he's a black comedian and he's this sort of rapper style comedian but there is some very clever very I would say intellectual gems in his comedy and it's and no, it's got so at face value. It has that, but and you know what dude, else, dude? He Wisdom. is a genius. There's there's some really some really sage moments in oh, his stand up yeah. where you think Ooh. that is an incredible point, yes. as in just like a great piece of life advice. Yeah, that's just being part of that. I don't even hear self help gurus say. No, it's just that guy. And, and, and because you know why? Because it's kind race. of just like a brutal truth, I suppose, that he's kind of unpacking. It's exactly it. His commentary on race and on uh, men and women is, is unparalleled. Yeah, it's really. unparalleled. You're but right. then his commentary on race became just your classic woke. I mean, he's got this joke where he's like, oh, i got to prepare my kids for the white man. So, you know, I make the toilet seat boiling and I make, you know, when I give them vanilla ice cream, it's got rocks in it. And I'm like, what the, like, what the man? Your commentary on race was so good back in the day, and I don't. Maybe I'm just uh, not seeing the genius of that particular joke, but it just seemed really no, no, dumb. no. It's really following the Hollywood formula, and you can see the same thing that happens with Dave Chappelle as well. I think, I think it's like a combination of the fact that they've lived in Hollywood too long, but also because their audiences have become more white, and I swear there's just some self-flagellation with them. That they go there to just like, yeah, tell me I'm bad. Because, dude, when their audiences were predominantly black, they weren't saying that shit. Yeah. The whole thing was just paying out black people from start to end. Yeah. Isn't that funny? And the thing is, like, dude, (laughs) and then there was that phase that Dave Chappelle went through where he's making fun of white people and it was funny. And now it's kind of just like, shut the fuck up, Dave. Like,. What are you? What are you talking about? It's become about yeah. It, 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 it's, it's the same shit. It's different, and and it's look. I mean, it, it just doesn't really make sense to it. The the degree to which they've become more serious and political, yet the country has progressed twenty years. I know that this is even before Trump and things. They were doing a lot of these specials still in the time of Obama, 
So it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think you're right. I've spent too much time in, in Hollywood, read too much of the critical race theory li- literature. And... and they've come... This is the other thing I think as well that's kind of happened... Everyone has you know too what? much access now. I think that's the other thing that you can't, you, you are constantly battling and as a comedian now is that it's it's very hard to shut yourself off from the world and think about an issue on your own grounds because yeah. you're constantly getting inundated by everyone else's views. And can I, one more thing, right? Uh, tr- coming back to Trump, coming full circle, right? Yeah, sorry. Trump was this pop culture figure that was popular in the hip-hop community in the black community they loved and they always referenced him in their songs and you know he was this sort of uh pop culture business tycoon in the 80s even everyone wanted to be he was almost the symbol of the 80s just that sort of american exceptionalism uh neoliberalism of the 80s it was just embodied by by trump but you know how he said that thing about joe mccain that everyone hated which was uh oh he got he's a war hero he got captured i like people who don't get Get captured captured, yeah chris rock said that did he yes he i reckon he got that from the chris rock whoa i think i think he's just a fan of that sort of comedy and he just says what i because chris rock said that in in 2008, when he's t- when it was uh, Obama versus McCain, and Chris Rock's doing his bit about like, they always like he a war hero, he a war motherfucker got captured. Like <laughs> he just that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, I reckon Trump just is trying to copy. I think that sort of incepted into Trump's head, and that's why he said that. Yeah, I could imagine him being a fan too. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, but I bet you now, Chris Rock just sits there, just being, "Man, he racist, man." And that's pretty much his Prom. point. On no, it is. I've seen his stand-up show, and the whole thing is the whole beginning where he's talking about politics. I was like, "Man, can you shut the fuck up and talk about your divorce? Yeah, like, talk about yeah, something you actually like, know what you're talking about." It got to it got to the divorce was so much better. That's but the other that's thing. The like, thing. there's just when this constant pressure about- with comedians now to talk. That's what that's I what's going to be good about Trump going is like there's not going to be that pressure anymore for them to talk about politics but they won't know what to talk about because what do they talk about now because they're still going to have all that really uh almost orwellian culture of what you can and cannot say and what's problematic and they can't just bash trump anymore well that'll so, just die in the wayside until the next election because you can definitely and- see it 2016 Heaps of pressure to be all like that huge pressure of just yeah. SJW came in, and then what happened in twenty twenty? Same shit. wasn't as intense, mm. but it was still there. Yeah, but there's... they're going to go and move into other things. But you this is the so, other thing that's amazing: is like Donald but... Trump was able to get everyone on planet Earth thinking about him at least once a day. I pretty much just thought about Obama during the <laughs> two thousand eight election, the two thousand twelve election, crazy maybe a bit in the midterms. But then the rest of the time, I just didn't fucking think about him. That's a that's a that's a wild thought, Damn, isn't it? Damn, that's insane. I mean, they made Netflix shows just mocking him. That whole Space Force Netflix show was just a it was just trying to insult the the actual Space Force that he created. See, it's just a like whole just like show a, a, a mean, like a it. sentence that he uttered once. They yeah. made a show out of it. Yeah, it's bizarre, man. And and talking of that whole self flagellation thing, I really think. I wrote a joke today about how I think white girls are just like the subs of comedy audiences. Like they just want to be made fun of. Yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, bougie white girls. They're like, ah, oh, make fun of me. Ah, so yeah, you're right. Kombucha and this, and then you can make fun of white men, but as soon as you make fun of any anyone other else, race, that no, no, don't do that. No, no, they get really jealous. No, no, they can't handle it. Don't do that. Do you think that's the reason? Oh, no, I don't think it's jealousy, but that's my joke. What do you think it fucking is? Because it was um, like what I was saying about that book that I was reading a while ago. Like, they were saying it's definitely a thing. It's a thing that happens worldwide. Was it? Uh, it was something that this would offend people, but because there are a lot more women now that uh, maybe have a maternal urge, uh, and you know what? the contra- <laughs> It feels like the contrarians uh, in middle class and upper middle class females that go against the cultural grain are actually ones that are like, yeah, I want to have kids by 25. Does seem kind like, of that's a weird rebel. and rebellious thing, yeah. doesn't it? Whereas uh, in the 60s, the ones that were rebelling were probably the ones that were wanted the to be an feminists or and you know, wanted to be career women. Whereas now the career women are probably the ones that are just listening to the media narrative that just doing what they're almost, not what they're told to do, but what's fashionable. And a lot of them may actually just have very maternal instincts and want to care for people and care for their children. And some people would argue, I'm not saying this is my opinion either. I can see some semblance of truth in it. I heard it on a podcast. I can't remember which one, but that maternal instinct is being, uh, it's coming out in their constant need to care for minorities and people of color. And like, oh, show me POC influences that I can support and care for. Actually, show me people that I can protect. Yeah. It's this maternal urge to protect, which is not actually helping. I don't. I would argue viscerally that it's not helping people of color. Hate absolutely can't stand that term, by the way. Uh, but it's not helping at all. It's it's it is actually treating them like children. Yeah, and 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 I think it may may even be this sort of lost maternal urge. It's just going to be so offensive to so many. Our female and his just went down to one, but whatever. Maybe they're the, no, because we're talking about them again. So they're like, what? The, the <laughs> they'll pay attention to that, and then they'll yes. get off as soon as we stop. <laughs> but they, yeah, no, there, 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 there was like. definitely a thing that was. Uh, yeah, they just, they're just it's white girls. That's the joke. It's, it's Black Lives Matter is all just white girls. And it's true. It is. No, anytime anyone ever has an issue with me, it's always a white chick. Or, as you were saying before, it's a woman of color that is from the bourgeois class. But yeah, the same yeah, thing like as well. It's just like the... a, a, a chick that is white from the western suburbs isn't going to be like, oh, my God, racism and shit. They'll be like, oh, yeah, they are like that, hey. It's it's You're something right. that You're happens right. in fucking it's, private schools. It is. It's, it's a combination of being a woman that is rich, <laughs> or at least it's comfortable. A, at least something, like, isn't it? You can sit around and not do anything for the rest of your Dude, life, and someone will take care of you. Problem. I'll make fun of uh, other races. I'll make fun of. I'll do jokes about uh, the black community or uh, Muslims. In fact, I've made it. I actually. It's a, I don't know, it just feel, oh, it feels a bit naughty. I like making jokes about Muslims right now. Um, and they yeah, like it. I get it. that urge too. They like it. I was at my show a few weeks ago and, and I was like, uh, any Muslims here? And a few people clapped. And then I'm like, oh, you're not allowed to make fun of Muslims, are you? And they're like, they got angry. They're like, do it. 
You can't do it. Do it. No, we can't. Because 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 the perception. No, and I get it. Because the perception is that oh, they're fragile. They can't handle it. They can't handle it. They're too sensitive, which is just not true. They can't. I mean, when you talk about the prophet, that's when it gets very. That's probably when that's the one thing they say. No, don't make fun of that. But everything else, they don't. They usually just laugh. It's if it's a good joke. It's the white girls that are like, no, no, don't do it. No. That's offensive. Or they're not sure because they're like, oh, he looks kind of Muslim. I don't know. Such a Can fucking shit outlook on life, isn't it? <laughs> I'm here to dampen everyone else's fun. It's a it's a lost... I re- it's it's like a lost maternal urge. I really think they just want to protect people or something. They, they, they have this need to... Well, it might not even be know, like a... Well, actually, you know what else as well? Now that they think about it, you're right. Because if you see a mum... Usually, mums are they a little laugh. more fucking loose. Yeah, because their their maternal urge is being fulfilled. I'm not again. I'm not saying every woman has. I'm sure there's a lot of men who want to look after, you know, when a child rear and things. But well, let's be honest, not a lot, but they do exist. Yeah, they do. Look, <laughs> again, yeah, I know because as soon as you put out these stereotypes, people get offended. But um, again, stereotypes don't fall out of the sky, and. Like I was saying before, the rebel the the rebellious girls are ones that are like, yeah, I want to get married under under the church at twenty three and mm. and and have a gun and that that that's a very it's a rebellious mentality to be like, yeah, I want to I want to be a mum, don't you think? Well, a, a, you younger, what, a young mum. You know what scares the fucking shit out of me is like, man, I am well and truly at the age. Mm. where most of the women I know should have had kids maybe two, three years ago. That was originally the mind map that our generation grew up with. Have kids 27, 28. Yeah, yeah. None of them are having it. They're not even close to having it. They don't even have a long-term partner. They still live in a share house. Yeah, but you're in Newtown. I think in the suburbs that's not that common. You don't think? Because this is the other thing, man. Like even the ones that are in the burbs that uh, uh, that my girlfriend knows, because she's mm. from like the Shire or whatever. Okay, they're not living in a share house. Granted, they're a little bit better off that. They might have a long term partner. They're just getting married now. They don't have a house, and none of them have kids. None, none. And she's got a lot of friends in the Shire that went to a Catholic school and not one of those fancy catholic schools either one of those like yeah three grand a year or whatever catholic yeah <laughs> you think to a povo yeah, catholic school that should be it's like but like if no. you're going to a catholic school that's where you're supposed to be having fucking kids i agree but don't you think what ha- what's happening now is uh really poor people are having kids pretty young and really rich people are still getting married at 25 to another rich person who their parents introduce them to and is still settling down and having kids before 30 it's it's more the middle class that are well no, i don't feel fulfilled yet in my career and i gotta do all these i gotta travel i gotta do all these things and that's fine like I, by all means do it but you really have to ruminate on that because there you have been sold this cultural idea that a family is very restrictive and kids aren't you know aren't necessarily going to bring you happiness because you're that's what you're supposed to do and it's you're, it's almost being forced upon you but then again, if you're just doing what people who 
had families in the 50s did, which is, oh, this is the thing I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to have kids. The thing you're supposed to do now, or that's normal, is, oh, i got to find myself. i got to travel and i got to do all these things. But that's such a worse... what is actually going to make you happy? You've oh, got to fuck, you're really, right. you know, look into that. Man, that scares me. It really scares me that that's the and, cultural idea that is being sold now. It's like you have to find yourself. And and look, for some people, look that that actually it can be very beneficial. And for a lot of people, yeah, they do have kids. Do it for like a fucking hour young. a day. It's called reading self help. Like then you you'll can, find yourself. Reading, you don't find yourself in Holland. No, I agree. I've done both. Okay, I've gone and travelled and lived in hostels. And you know, I wouldn't even just, uh, you know, restrict it to self-help, but reading is where you really figure out who you are, not in some hostel in Prague. No. Okay, getting dicked down by F- Ferdinand or whoever the fuck for some European boy. It's not finding yourself, okay? Yeah, you're just getting dick. That's all that's happening. <laughs> Just accept. Uh, I don't there's know. Me, like, no, there's some, nothing wrong with it. But, late, like, but you do get all of these strange yourself. ideas that are just very juvenile in our generation. And I'm not saying that I'm immune to them. No. But I've got neither. like a few more than the people that I observe around me that are still kind of drinking goon in a park at 31. Wow, you've got really. You- your social circle is pretty unique, though. I think most people. I think the word is fucked. That's that's that. it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's that's that's. Just but like even sad. like okay in in the western suburbs, right? Like my friends that are Westies. I'm trying to think about it now. They're ahead. They're ahead on the adult scale. Uh, they have a house. They have a kid. But that's the whole thing, right? Like hmm. they have a kid. One. And that that now is like the fucking family of freaks when we were growing up that had like seven kids. Right. It's like the one that has one kid now. None of them have kids. None. And I'm not even close either. But you know what? Yeah. Like we're just getting to that age where it's just like me and my girlfriend that had just been dating for years, like happily together and whatever. We're kind of just like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll get married in a couple of years. But originally it was like, yeah, we'll be married by 28. And like, yeah, we'll have a house by 30. And now it's just like, yeah, okay, maybe we're getting a house now. Then we're we're pushing it back. Oh, well, kids, you, you can freeze your eggs now. We'll just push that on later. That's what's happening. Look, there is an argument to be made. If you keep self-improving, if you keep bettering yourself, then you're only going to become a better parent. Uh, you know what? There's, but there's a Tanya lim- there's probably a said the same thing to me, actually. To that. Yeah, because most female politicians, I assume, have kids quite late. I'm just assuming that. Well, it was weird like, with her, actually. She had... She, no, she had hers in like early 30s. I suppose that is oh, kind okay. of late, especially no, for her generation. Nowadays, it's pretty normal. It's it? normal as fuck now. Well, it's well, I'm, abnormal. I'm, 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 yeah, I mean, you know what's in that? Kirsten Gillibrand or something had a kiss. <laughs> she was, you know, she was one of the uh, Democratic nominees. Uh, sorry, running for the nomination. And she, um, there was something she said on a talk show where she was like, da, 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 as a young mom, I support this policy. <laughs> She's like, fifties with like a, a kid that's under ten or so. I think I gotta check. I gotta check on that. But Jesus. when she said young mom, I mean, look, young in the sense I've only been a mom for a certain amount of time. What is that? What she was saying? I think she must have been. What saying a shit backpedal. Yeah, it, 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 that. And again, yeah, sort of have to ask the question: Is there, is there anything really? Look, a good, 
no matter what, whatever the age of the parents, good parents are, are the best thing for a kid. Now, there's a lot of, you know, welfare cunts that have like five kids by 22 that are going to be shit parents. Right. Whereas the people who did freeze their eggs and maybe have kids at 45 are going to be a lot better, although there'll probably be a lot of problems associated with that. Uh, they tend to be very overprotective the older they get, and that can actually damage the kids a lot. Uh, obviously, you're actually becoming quite old yourself, and you face certain health consequences. Um I think the sweet spot is like late 20s, early 30s. That seems to be the sweet spot. But, um, you know, for different people, it's just whatever whatever suits you. But make sure you're not just listening to a cultural narrative because everyone says, oh, you know, it's just expected for me to have kids and I'm going to be different. I'm going to travel. Well, do you actually want to do that? Or do you, would you be, is your personality better suited to actually just having kids i think just make sure you're not giving into whatever the cultural narrative is it is a fucking cultural suicide though isn't it i'm curious because the bigger meta narrative should be constantly sitting in society being like you should have kids like there was a reason that like uh in islamic culture and stuff like that they're constantly pushing for you to have eight kids well they want to spread their ideas they want to spread their ideas they want that culture to succeed hmm this culture has become so sick that it's really spreading the idea of the exact opposite. It's, 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 it really is like more or less spreading the idea that you should not be spreading on your genes to the next generation. Well, it's, I'd say it says more, you need to make sure you do what makes you happy. Whereas historically, there would have been a duty. So, okay. Yeah, so there's no duty. Doesn't, having a kid doesn't make you happy. It's the duty to god or it's the duty to the country and also birth control is still relatively recent a hundred years ago there's no uh, there's some real early condoms there's no pill there's none of, none of that so it's a lot harder to actually plan out a family like that this is all very to, to say i want to have a kid at 32 is a very recent yeah phenomenon, very recent right? yeah you just when you had sex you probably had a had kid, a kid. <laughs> so uh, things were very have changed, and again, that's something Jordan Peterson talks about. Which again, he's he's just destroyed for all his points. All his criticisms are as far they're like, oh, he's a Christian. So what? Or they're like, oh, he's right wing. No, that that doesn't mean anything. It, it's it's the point where that doesn't even mean anything anymore. You know, like the word Nazi. I got called a Nazi the other day on Instagram. I'm like, just none yes, of this clearly. means anything anymore. Um. He's a science denier, or what? I mean, for, look again. It's probably talking about the climate change thing. He's had like one video on it, and he's not his main. And he also didn't really deny it. I don't know what people just don't like. He said something about the uh, that in that Vice article about how women wearing makeup in the workplace is a sexual display. Now, he didn't say, oh, we should go back to where women aren't allowed in the workplace. He just said, it's new. This is relatively new. How is this affecting the culture? How is this affecting male-female relationships by having co-educational workspaces? He just posed the question. He didn't say, it's no if you can find me footage where it's like, and this is why we need to go back to, you know, not having 
women in the workplace. He, ne- he never said that. Mm. Not once has he mm. ever said that. He's just mm. posing certain questions that we haven't really actually been thinking about. Um, yeah, and also how he's saying that the modern world is very modern. Yeah. Is really yeah. most of his point. Yeah, because the pill is very, it, like, he, he always talks about that. He's like, we don't, we don't know the full effects this is going to have on society. Yeah, actually, you know what? Esther right. Perel was making that same point, wasn't she? She was just saying with the invention of contraception, sex for the first time in human history is can be purely pleasurable. Yeah. Before that, as that you were saying, it was kind of just like an accident and then you just get born. <laughs> I'm sure they were still you, using the pull-out method in the 1800s, right? They would have known it's that It's so much. not effective, though, is it? Like most of the people that I know that have had abortions, yeah. it's because they were using the pull-out method. Really? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So, like, It's not. What? It's yeah, it's it's eighty something percent effective. Yeah, I mean that's not very effective, is nah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you have sex more than once, exactly, and even then, yeah. that's Russian roulette. The pill is uh, Russian roulette has better effective. odds than pulling out. Probably. <laughs> like that's one in six. That's one in five. <laughs> yeah. Well. So I don't know, man, Damn. but like I really think that no. Okay, look. It's the same thing as always. There's this, uh, this ongoing effect, as I was saying in like a previous podcast, about like the decline of a society. Mm. But it's always the society becomes too prosperous and then it kind of just starts eating itself. Mm. And that's exactly what's happening now. Our society has become way too individualistic. And the fact that you were just saying that then, dude, I don't even care if those ideas are imposed by a religion or by a country or something like that. The fact that human beings now in our society don't have a duty that nothing nothing there's no duty there at all that is a scary society yeah well anyway sorry yeah we'll finish <laughs> let's wrap this one up with a uh subscriber question how Good about that point. and isn't it amazing that you get to be part of the first two-part series in the neil and exactly. jordan podcast yeah congratulations you made history you sat through it or you at least sat through the second one <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, Neil, I've just subbed and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the skills shortage facing Australia with the boomer generation fast approaching retirement and with them taking a lot of knowledge and experience, oh, sorry, and taking a lot of knowledge and experience with them. How can Australia cope with losing that wealth of skills in the workflow, in the workforce? I know in Victoria, as an example, they gutted the tape system in the 90s by Liberal Premier Jeff Kennett when he privatized a lot of the essential services e.g. the SEC, State Electricity Commission of Victoria, and as a result of that particular privatization, the price of electricity has gone through the roof. I feel that this is a result of Americanization of our country, and I'm worried we'll be in America's position in 20 years. Wealth and inequality, especially what we are currently witnessing at the moment in the USA. I'm very interested in your views on this subject. Thanks. Um, I'm a second-year electrical fitter apprentice in the railways and part of a real union. Wink. Lock, that's from Lachlan. Good on you, Lockie. Atta boy. Well, that's that's def- what I want to hear. That sounds like a, a lot more in your uh, area of expertise. No, but it's the same but- thing that you're always talking about as well. It is just the skills shortage is a scary phenomenon that is happening. And let's but be honest. Why is there a skill? Wouldn't they just be educating the young people now to replace the boomers? No, Christ, no. Well, first of all, there's like a population fiscal. There was a population problem in Australia That's, yeah, and, and throughout the rest the of the West. Um, generation, aren't they? And 
that's one of the only arguments that I agree with for the increased migration rate is that like someone has to pay for their fucking pensions. But um, what will be happening to replace those skills is there will be more and more migration into Australia instead of training up people that are already in Australia to replace those skills. And the reason that they're doing that is exactly what he's saying there is because the TAFE system has been privatised and this is what smart countries like Germany are doing. Countries like Germany are investing a lot of public money into TAFE because they understand that there is exactly what he's talking about there. It's um, a poverty of skills is really? a real thing that happens in a society. And it's two-pronged in our society. Uh, there's many things that are happening here. First off, uh, universities got the inroad on it and they made going to TAFE seem kind of dirty. So there is this kind of like cultural expectation now that you're supposed to go to university and then those people that go to universities should be going to TAFE. Uh, there's a lot of that. There's so much of that, isn't yeah. there? There's so much. There's so many people that you just sit there and you're like, you're too stupid to do this. You shouldn't be here. Go. There's a lot of degrees that probably shouldn't even exist. Yeah. Which is like, it's, it, dude, and you know what else is scary? Because I just did a video about the middle class and I was just thinking about it. And I was like, fuck, you know what? This is no longer the middle class. White collar jobs are now the working class and blue collar jobs are the middle class now. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Plumbers. What do they, they have? Yeah, a they boat. Make, they make a lot more money. Yeah. They, they have, have their mastered in home. They have their second fucking mastered in yep. home. And then they're not going to be as affected, at least in this next wave of automization. It's actually the the, the sort of accountants. Uh, yeah. White collar jobs. that are, yeah. and, and retail is completely going to go in 10 years. Yeah. And yeah, your accountants. And then you'd probably even get to engineers and things soon. And then any sort of software and computational skills I can imagine in the next 15 years, I don't know how many of those jobs will still be around, whether or not computers will be doing it. Whereas, you'd, yeah, you'd sort of, so he's an electrical fitter apprentice. I, that's still a bit longer away before there are actual smart homes. Hmm. So I'm, he should go through the workforce with a job. Maybe his children may not if they go into the same industry. As, again, assuming that automization and, and, and AI continues at the rate it does. But uh, that, you know what, it's super interesting that there's a, wasn't there like a big push to get more people into university? And maybe as a result, they've had to create all these fluffy degrees that don't even mean anything. I mean, I heard that some people can become teachers with an ATAR of like 20. Hmm. I mean, it's so bad. Uh, a mystery mark. That's a, uh, yeah. I, these sorts of yeah. You know. You know what? You're not wrong. Blue collar because blue collar jobs were v very traditionally more like factory workers and sort of bottom of the rung uh, minimum wage workers. Whereas more of those still jobs still exist, but more and more. People who work with their hands, blue collar like like tradesmen and that, they're quite well off. They work very hard. They they have, you know, they break their back. They're but they're up, in demand. Up at like four thirty and you know get home pretty late. But 
But the thing is, they have a skill. They do, yeah. And this is the whole thing. It's just the the class that has become white collar now, a lot of them don't have skills. It's, yeah, if you've got a marketing degree, are you really that essential? <laughs> yeah, Whereas are if, you? If you're an electrician, we fucking need you. Yeah. And I don't know how to do this that is the shit. other thing as well is like the the skill of it because of the privatization of TAFEs and as a result of that, um, the, there's all of these like predatory TAFEs that exist now that are just bullshit TAFEs that don't actually teach anyone any skills. So there is actually even worse than that because there are a bunch of electricians that don't know how to do the job, and there's a bunch of dodge plumbers that oh, are getting really? licenses that shouldn't get licenses and all that kind of stuff. Um, Damn. So the people that can actually do the job, it's it's rising up again. But this is again because of, as he correctly pointed out, this is because of the Americanized system that we are getting here, where we are just constantly pulling money out of education, and as a result of that, these things become more commercialized. So why did that start happening? I'll, I'll give Keating a tut tut on this. It was actually him that started the tertiary education thing, and then it got worsened under Howard. But what was his? Uh philosophy behind doing that so keating wanted to privatize tertiary education he didn't want to privatize it he was just like this is money that we could be using in other things it's not unreasonable for somebody to spend money on going and getting themselves tertiary educated like if you're educated to the point of year 12 you're more than educated enough to get through life yeah it's no longer the government's job anymore to like look after you and so he was just saying look we still want people going to tertiary education obviously but also that is money that can be spent other places. So he just put in the heck system, right? And as a result of that, universities started thinking, fuck, we don't have guaranteed uh, funding here, so what are we going to do? And so then they just started bringing in more and more rich international students to fill up those places, and they started raising the rights of them, and then they started Mm -hmm. lowering, like, the thing that gets you a pass mark. And so it kind of slowly turned universities into businesses, that's a big problem now, isn't it? The, the the they rely completely on international students, and because of coronavirus, a lot of the international students couldn't actually come. So the bottom out, so the bottom out their their entire business model, and the other thing that's happening as well is obviously after a while, Chinese universities and things like that are just getting to the level where they're as good as Western universities. So there's no mm-hmm. need for them to go anymore. These things have limited space on them. But, yeah, with you, I think that you're exactly right. Obviously, if you go to Australia 20 years from now, it's never going to be as savage as America. I wouldn't worry about that. Mm. Then again, Britain's more savage than the US. Britain. I was looking at a lot of, like, really? Britain's living standards and metrics and stuff. Dude, it's a third world country now. It really is. Like yeah, the, the, the minimum wage there is unlivable. Like the, the level of housing affordability is through. The, like, dude, when you walk through the streets of London now, you're just like, am I in fucking Bangladesh? Like, why is this place so poor? Like, <laughs> that happens there. It has that feeling and, and, and that like Manila Bangl- has. And the way Bangladesh is going in 20, 30 years, it's, it's going to be, a you know, it's not even going to be a third world country. Yeah, yeah. It's just not going to be a country. Well, yeah, because of climate change, it's not going to oh, be a country. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So well, it's going to be underwater. Yeah, well, like it's really oh, on really? the baseline. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, so look, you are right about that. There is going to be a massive skill shortage, which is why I'm constantly trying to push on my self help channel. It's always been the key to success, but definitely now, 
if you can pry yourself away from your smartphone, if you can ch- chunk out huge portions of the day where you're not distracted at all and you're actually learning a skill, my God, are you ahead of the rest of the population. You always were in the past, but now, again, with the acceleration of technology, it's just able to claw more people from it. And the only way that you're able to acquire a skill is through deep concentration. Uh, yeah, that's all you can do on a micro level. But on a macro level, yeah, I think you're completely right. That's what's going to happen to Australia. It's not going to be as savage as the US, but it's going to be more like the US. Mm. All right. Well, I think that uh, is a good answer Yeah. to the question. Um, but the thing is also, I'll just add this. Sorry, while we're just thinking should, about it. Should they... So do you think... What can they do? Should governments uh, take back control of the tertiary sector and not let the private sector do it? I think that is a hard question because I do understand Keating's instinct there. And I do actually think that as well. Going through university and coming out the other end, I'm just like, no, why should yeah. the fucking taxpayer sit around for me to learn about fucking World War Two? Like, yeah, is that, a, is, is that a right? Yeah, is that a fucking right? Is it like I understand definitely mm. to the point of high school, but then after that, if I want to go and further my life in my career, like I'm, that that should be somewhat degree on me. I, I think it's just it's the same thing as always. It's just like look under a Labor government, this system that he was pl- plotting out would be managed better. It's the same thing as like uh, the, the model that. Paul Keating was going for is actually the model that China adopted at the end, which was Singapore's model. Right. It was like, it was economic rationalist, but it wasn't fucking uh, insane socialism for the rich that the US is. It was just, it's a tough society. It's a society that rewards merit. It's it's definitely not a pansy little country like uh, Norway or something like that. I would much prefer to live in Norway than I would in Singapore or whatever. But that was the model that they were trying to put in. And the model that Singapore has put in is effective. So when it comes to like, say, like superannuation, for instance, HEX, all of these things, these are kind of like Singapore uh, initiatives where they're kind of like, they're f- they're kind of make, making like an, in, if I can use these wanky words, like an individual socialism. Like what is what is superannuation? It's really just a self-imposed pension. It's like you're paying for your own pension and we're going to make sure that you pay for your own pension. Okay. That's what it's saying there, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing with like universities. It's kind of just like we'll make sure that the university runs, but you're paying for some of it. Yeah. Like you're going to have to invest in yourself. The state is not going to invest in you. You are the state is going to force you to invest in yourself. That's really what's happening there. Okay. Anyway, interesting. Yeah, uh, I think that's this way out in the way that we are now. I don't think it's ever going to get to that like cuddly capitalism that Norway has. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Okay. Well, thanks for that uh, question. Uh, Neilcohacker.com/slash/podcast. Thanks for listening to our first two-part podcast which we still don't know when we're going to, uh, wherever that second half started. I don't even know, but I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time. Thank you as always.